And if you will open your copy of the scriptures to Acts chapter 11. If you are visiting with us for the first time, our typical practice is to uh, preach through a book of the Bible um, and take as long as it should take, and, or sometimes longer than it should take maybe. Uh, and so we are in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 11. Our text this morning is verses 19 through 30. Please hear the word of God. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came, he saw the grace of God. He was glad, and he exhorted all of he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. Now in these days prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there, that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Let's pray. Almighty God, as we have read your word and now we anticipate um, its proclamation, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and most of all, hearts to believe uh, what is found written in your word. Help us uh, to grow in our faith in Jesus Christ as a result of uh, hearing your word this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There is probably no more important question uh, than the question of one's relationship with God. If it's not the most important, uh, it's easily in the top five most important questions that all people consider. Even for those who are not necessarily very religious, uh, I've noticed that they include this question of uh, their relationship with God as being in their essential list of questions that they need to ask and uh, find an answer to. I remember when I left or when I left home to go to college, I thought that I had the world at my feet and that I was going to experience all of it. I left home. I had freedom. I had freedom to make the decisions that I wanted to make, free from 
from uh, any parental uh, influence whatsoever except for what they had instilled in me uh, while I was growing up. I went to Georgia Southern College. It was 200 miles away from home in Statesboro, Georgia. My freshman year, the uh, football team won the national championship at the 1AA level. And so immediately, Georgia Southern uh, gained a reputation as, have, as being a, a big party school. But in the midst of all this, in the midst of my freedom, in the midst of all the partying, I began to consider this question of my relationship to God. I believed in God in a firm but yet general way. Um, Since I believed in Him, it occurred to me that I should probably understand what He required of me since I was His creature. And what I found was that although I believed in God, I did not know Him. I started reading the Bible. I told you about uh, Brent Robinson, my resident assistant, who would uh, come uh, to my room and read the Bible to my roommate and I, and how uh, the two of us started reading the Bible uh, together. And what I found was that the Bible was telling me that I did not know God. Uh, It seemed like every passage that I turned to, I remember uh, reading James chapter 2. In James chapter 2, verse um, verse 18, James said, But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Do you believe that God is one? You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. And I remember a pastor saying one time as I was working my way uh, through this question of my relationship with God, he said, you believe in God? Good. Now you're qualified to be a demon because the demons believe and shudder. I remember 2 Corinthians 13, that making an impact on me, where the Apostle Paul said, test yourselves. Prove yourselves whether you be in the faith. And then he says, some people will fail that test. Will you pass it? But test yourself. See whether you're in the faith. And then, of course, I've mentioned to you on several occasions, Matthew 7, 21 through 23, how I would come across that passage where Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and do uh, many miracles in your names and do all these wonderful works in your name? And Jesus says, I will tell them plainly, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And I finally came to realize that even though I believed in God, I did not know Him. I came to understand that I did not know God. And it brought me to the end of myself. Because what I did in response was I cried out to God 
I realized that I had been living a hypocritical life by saying I was a Christian, by saying that I believed in God, but yet living my life my own way. I cried out to God. I, 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 I begged Him for mercy. Uh, that I did not deserve, and I could, and I begged him for a mercy and a salvation that I would never be worthy to receive. And as I did that, lo and behold, my life began to change. I had been trying to do the things outwardly to be a Christian, to go to church and you know and do these different things, but once I cried out to God for mercy, in my complete helplessness. That's when God changed my life. And He began to change me from the inside out. My desires changed. So then my lifestyle changed. And then my life in general began to change. It began to change so rapidly and and radically that my mom asked me whether I had joined a cult. Um, my parents came to Christ uh, after I did, actually, um, even though they took me to church when I was little. Uh, they believed in God, but did not know Him, and came to know Him, like I said, after I did. I believe this passage this morning raises the question of how we know if we are Christians. And so I want us to consider it as we look at the text this morning. And the, the, the main verse that I'm focusing in on is verse 23. Verse 23, when Barnabas came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Barnabas saw evidence of the grace of God. And when he saw evidence of the grace of God, the question that I am asking you is what was the evidence that he saw? What evidence did he see in the lives of these people living in Antioch that made him realize that the grace of God was indeed evident in their lives? And so I'm going to be asking you this same question. What evidence of the grace of God is evident in your life so that you know that you have a relationship with God. That even though you believe in Him, you also know Him. I'm going to approach it negatively, first of all, and ask, did he see people speaking in tongues when he got to Antioch? There's no evidence of this. No evidence whatsoever in our text. Remember how in chapter 10... How the Apostle Peter, when he went and and preached the gospel to Cornelius, and then Cornelius and those in his household who became believers, they began speaking in tongues. And then Peter made such a big deal of this. He he, um, told those back in Jerusalem, this is how we know that they became Christians. They started speaking in tongues. In other words, God enabled Cornelius to speak in tongues and God enabled him to do this to prove that his conversion was genuine and that God was giving his full approval to the gospel then going to the Gentiles. And the other times that we've seen converts speaking in tongues here as we've been looking in the book of Acts, they've always been high watermarks in the life of the early church. The day of Pentecost. Um, God is, is 
is proclaiming to all the people in Jerusalem that Jesus Christ indeed did rise from the dead and that uh, salvation is being proclaimed in His name. And so the um, 120 that were gathered there, they began speaking in tongues and then Peter preached the gospel. And that was a high watermark in the life of the church. The second time is in Acts chapter 8 where Philip has gone and is preaching the gospel. And these Samaritans who the Jews looked down upon. The Jews thought that they were unworthy of God because they had intermingled with the people that were living in the promised land and they had become less than Jews, less than Israelites. And in Acts chapter 8, when Philip preaches the gospel and then uh, Peter and John go up to, to Samaria, then they... Then they start speaking in tongues. And there's evidence that even the Samaritans can come to faith in Jesus Christ. And then with Cornelius, there's proof positive now that God is bringing the the Gentiles um, through the gospel to Jesus Christ. But when Barnabas came to Antioch, he did not see anyone speaking in tongues. He saw the grace of God. He saw it plainly. As it says in verse 23. But the Bible says nothing in that passage about anyone speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is not an evidence as to whether a Christian, whether an individual person is a Christian or not. The crippled man that we saw in Acts chapter 3 was healed by Peter. He became a Christian. He didn't speak in tongues. He jumped up and he began praising God in his own language. The Ethiopian eunuch, whom Philip led to Christ in Acts chapter 8, he didn't speak in tongues. Uh, The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9, when he was converted, he didn't speak in tongues. And we could go on and on with Lydia. We could go on with the Philippian jailer. We could go on and on. And we don't see them speaking in tongues with their conversion. It was only these high water marks in the life of the church. And I'm making such a big deal about this because I've seen uh, people become confused and unsure of their conversion because they didn't have the, the quote-unquote religious experience. Uh, they hear about someone who's had some remarkable or some unusual experience when they became a Christian. And so they begin to doubt their, their own conversion because the bells and the whistles and all the other things didn't go off when they were converted. So, Barnabas, when he came to Antioch, he did not see them speaking in tongues, nor did he see people who had separated themselves from the community. Did you hear about the tragedy that uh, happened to the Amish uh, family in Kentucky this past week? Um, They tried to cross a creek in their horse and buggy. And the rains had, had, were, were really strong. They were having a hard time seeing because of the rain and the darkness. And so when they hit this creek that they would normally be able to cross, it was swollen with the rains. The buggy flipped over. And um, you know, four children, ages 11 to 6 months old, uh, were drowned in the creek. Uh, when the buggy flipped. And the reason they missed the news about this flash flood warning is because they had tried to separate themselves from as many outside um, 
outside influences as possible so they didn't have a radio, didn't have TV. Uh, and the only reason I mention them is because it's a common temptation uh, for Christians to try and separate themselves from the community. We feel more comfortable around other Christians, and so that's who we associate with. That's who our friendships are with. That's where we build our network of relationships. And it's possible for a person to live in Brandon, Florida, and where Christians are a minority, and yet have no non-Christian significant relationships. It is healthy for you to have relationships with people outside the church. How can you tell other people about Jesus if you don't have those relationships uh, where you are able to share your life with them? But when Barnabas came to Antioch, he saw the grace of God, but he did not see it in the lives of the Christians um, because, or he didn't see the grace of God in the lives of the Christians uh, because they had sequestered themselves off together and had separated themselves from the world so they were different because they were living their lives in complete uh, seclusion. That's not what he saw when he came to Antioch. He saw the evidence of the grace of God, but what he saw were Christians who were engaging the community around them. Um, And the people that they were engaging were very different from them. Remember that uh, these, these early Christians who were in Antioch, that are spreading the word, of what nationality were they? They were Jewish. They had become Christians in in Jerusalem. The persecution had started. They fled from Jerusalem. But they were Jewish Christians. And here they are. It says in our text, uh, I believe verse 20, they are preaching the gospel to Hellenists. Um, We can read that in Gentiles. They were speaking the gospel to Greek people. Um, In other words, non-Jews. These people, these Hellenists, were different from them. Different in nationality. Different in culture. And for 2,000 years, these Jews had been taught not to associate with the Gentiles. They had been taught not to eat with them. But here they are. They are engaging these Hellenists or these Gentiles, these Greeks. And they are telling them about Jesus. And then they are welcoming them into their fellowship. How many non-Christians do you have relationships with? Do you actively pursue relationships with your non-Christian neighbors or co-workers? Not to preach to them and convert them, because that turns people into objects. That's not really loving a person. To simply make them an object for your, of your, you know, a goal. Um, but rather... To get to know them, to love them, and then earn that right to speak to them about your faith in Christ. How many non-Christians do you know? And how active are you in pursuing those relationships? So when Barnabas came to Antioch, He didn't find these Christians all secluded together. Remember, they had been the subjects of persecution. It would have been very tempting for them to hide themselves away in their little house church. 
Instead, here they are engaging the community. So the question is still on the table. What did Barnabas observe when he saw the evidence of the grace of God in these Christians' lives? Well, Barnabas saw the evidence of the grace of God in the quality of the lives of the Christians who were living there in Antioch. First of all, he saw people who were faithful to Christ in spite of severe suffering. Look at verse 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But then in verse 20 we see that they began speaking the word to also to the Hellenists. The people that, had, that Barnabas met... These Jewish Christians, they had fled from Jerusalem because of the persecution that had broken out when Stephen was stoned. And they had, they had not only fled Jerusalem, they had fled Judea. They were living in Antioch, a whole different um, country, a whole different culture. They left everything. They didn't have a U-Haul where they could pack up all their possessions and take it with them. When they left, they left their jobs, they left their houses, they left their possessions. And all they could have done to stay in Jerusalem was renounce their faith in Jesus Christ. But they were faithful to Christ in spite of suffering, in spite of persecution, And they left so that they can continue to worship God. Being willing to suffer for Christ is a very accurate gauge of the grace of God in your life. Are you willing to follow Jesus Christ regardless of the cost? Are you willing to lose everything for Him? Is Jesus Christ more important to you than your personal security and well-being? Are you willing not only for you, but also for your family to suffer because of your faith in Jesus Christ? Undoubtedly, mothers and fathers piled their children into the wagon when they fled Jerusalem and headed to Antioch. Or put them up on the camels or however they got to Antioch. These families were willing even for their children to suffer because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And so, Barnabas saw people who were willing to suffer for their faith in Christ. He also saw people who were, willing, who were proclaiming Jesus Christ even to Gentiles. I've already spoken at length about this, but I have one further point to add. I want to make my point in the form of a question. And that question is, why would these Christians continue to be so determined to proclaim Christ after they had to flee Jerusalem? In other words, why would, these, why would they tell these Gentiles about Christ when it's going to call attention to them and then the Jews in that city who had not been converted were going to then bring the persecution uh, on them as well. Remember going back to uh, Acts chapter 8, uh, Paul was, was heading out even beyond um, the bounds of Judea. 
to, to take to arrest these Christians and drag them, drag them about, back to Jerusalem for, they, for them to stand trial. And so this would undoubtedly call attention to them. You pile on top of that the fact that, the, that they're talking to Gentiles when they're Jews. Why would they proclaim Christ to these people when it has already caused them suffering and persecution? The answer is simple yet profound. They could not shut up about Jesus Christ. They had been saved from their sins. They had learned that God had so loved them that He sent His only begotten Son to become a human being, to die in their place. He who knew no sin became sin for them in order that um, through Him they might be the righteousness of God. They had learned about Jesus. They had been changed. They had been saved by Jesus. Jesus, and they could not shut up about Him. They learned that God was merciful to them when they deserved no mercy. And so they wanted to tell, to tell other people about God's mercy. Being eager to tell other people about your salvation in Jesus Christ is another gauge of, your, of the grace of God in your life. If you have understood the grace of God in Jesus Christ and have entrusted yourself to Him, it will be reflexive for you to tell other people. That will be your desire. You may feel inadequate to tell other people. You may be scared to death to tell other people. But your desire will be that you will want to. That is a fact. If you have learned about the grace of God, that is the the desire of every Christian is to tell other people. Thirdly, Barnabas saw the grace of God because he saw people who were remaining faithful to Christ. Verses 23 through 26, he saw them and so he, he, he urged them to remain faithful to Jesus Christ. And then he went out and found Paul. He brought Paul back from Tarshish. And then for a year they were encouraging the people and teaching the people. The reason why I bring this up is that these Christians living in Antioch simply didn't have a conversion experience and then forget about Jesus after a little while. They remained faithful to Christ. I mention this because some bad teaching has arisen that suggests that people can walk an aisle, pray a prayer, make a profession of faith, and then basically forget about Christ and live like they want to, almost like they've received a get-into-heaven-free card, you know, and they can pull out their wallet after they die, and they can open up, and they say, God, look, I've got a get-into-free card, or get-into-heaven-free. You know, I signed my, my name on this day. I prayed this prayer. And they think as long as they've had this this conversion that everything is okay I walked an aisle when I was in 10th grade God spent the next three years trying to tell me I wasn't a Christian but these believers here in Acts chapter 11 
They were standing with God. They had been standing with God through persecution and they continued to stand with Him. And so Barnabas saw evidence of the grace of God in their lives. And then lastly, verses 27 through 30, when Barnabas, Barnabas saw people who were generous for the sake of the gospel. It's a given uh, that these Christians were sharing their possessions with each other for their common need and also for the spread of the gospel. In other words, they were, I believe they were tithing. But then this need arose because some prophets from Jerusalem had come up to Antioch and they were, um, they were prophesying about a, um, a famine that was going to be severe that was going to overtake um, Jerusalem. I'll just read it um, in verses 27 through 30. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. And this did take place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Um, also, I'll just say by way of parenthesis that Josephus, who was a Jewish historian, by no means a Christian, he mentions this same famine that took place during the, the reign of uh, Claudius as well. But anyway, this they foretold that this, um, this famine was going to happen. And undoubtedly some of these Jewish Christians who had fled from Jerusalem uh, had some connections with the Christians who were still living in Jerusalem. But most of these people, these certainly these uh, Hellenists, these Gentiles who had come to faith in Christ, they didn't have any connections with the people in Jerusalem. And yet, here we find that these people who are... You know, some distance away from the people in Jerusalem with very little connection to them are now giving generously in order that they might su- supply the needs of uh, these Christians living in Jerusalem. So the disciples determined, verse 29, everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. The reason why they gave was because their hearts were in heaven. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your hearts will be also. Their their generosity was for the sake of the gospel. And I believe that that is also another accurate gauge uh, whereby you can know uh, about the quality of your own faith. Jesus himself said, you cannot love both God and money. So, in conclusion, let me just ask you these questions by way of summary and application. Who do you turn to when you get bad news? When these believers were undergoing persecution... They placed their trust in Jesus and they did not waver. Where do you turn to when you get bad news? Also, does your heart ache that others do not know Jesus Christ? Does it ache that there are people living around you that will die in their sins 
die without God and face His everlasting judgment. Thirdly, are you remaining faithful to Jesus Christ? Another one of those verses that used to just hit me like a, like a ton of bricks. Jesus in John 14 verse 15 said, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Are you being faithful to Jesus Christ in your day-to-day walk with Him? And then fourth, are you generous for the kingdom's sake? Because your treasure is in heaven. And there your heart is also. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you for these evidences of the grace of God by which uh, we measure ourselves um, this morning. Father, we thank you that we cannot produce these graces in ourselves, but rather this is your Holy Spirit who does it. It is his work alone so that we are changed from the inside out. God, I pray that you would encourage your people. Father, I pray where uh, there is... um, where there is um, aspects of the quality of the lives of your people that are out of line with this, that you would bring repentance. And Father, where there are people who do not know Christ, that you would draw them sweetly and powerfully. Even as you drew these um, Gentiles to Christ, I pray you would draw them to Christ even today. For your Spirit is still at work using your glorious and powerful word to bring people to Jesus. I pray in his name. Amen.